Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and today we're talking about Advent. Yes, Advent is right around the corner, but we wanted to bring you an episode sooner than later so you can think about and be prepared for what you want this Advent season to look like for you. So my very first guest on the show, did I tell you there's four? Yes, there's four. My very first guest is David Taylor. And David is a friend of the show we never knew we needed. His wife, Phaedra, was on this summer on our Encounter series. And if you have not heard that episode, don't skip out on that. It was so great, her telling her story of how she came to start following Jesus. David is a theology professor at Fuller Seminary, and today I wanted to start the show with him so we could really get our brains, wrap our brains around what is Advent? How did Advent start? Where did this come from? And David gives us a very condensed and exciting and amazing church history lesson. Guys, I literally wanted to talk to David Taylor for hours about church history. So David really explains to us, where did Advent come from? What is it for? And then we talk about why is it important for us as churches, for us as followers of Jesus, to really commit to practicing Advent. And so I hope when you listen to our conversation that you know that Advent is also full of grace. And in every conversation I have today about the show, there is not a list of things you have to do to be a good Advent participant. We really want to really say, What are some things we can do to center our hearts around Jesus and the birth and him, the light of the world showing up to our world and changing all of our lives? After my conversation with David, I have a conversation with Clayton and Clayton created a really great resource for all of you parents or grandparents or aunt and uncles, or even if you have a Christian preschool, you could use this as well. It's called Advent Blocks. They wanted to create something that could help your whole family count down the days until Christmas not just for gifts, et cetera, but really count down and experience uh, the anticipation of looking forward to the birth of Jesus. So his Advent blocks, I'm a huge fan of them, and I will show them to you on my Instagram, so make sure you are following me so you can see that. And then our friends from She Reads Truth, Amanda Bible Williams and Rachel Myers, join me on the show to talk about their newest study through She Reads Truth, all about Advent. 
which is called Joy of the Longing Heart. All that to say, you guys, today is a jam-packed show, but it is one you don't want to miss because it's going to push your heart towards longing for Jesus more. And that's our goal. And it's our goal with Advent as we celebrate the anticipation of Jesus. So I hope you love Jesus more after you listen to this show. I actually can say with a lot of confidence that I think you will. I really do think you will. All right, before the show, I got two things to tell you. Number one, today is my man's birthday. So happy birthday to Aaron Ivy. Second thing you need to know, you guys, if you're not following me on Instagram, today's the day to change that. It's at Jamie Ivy. And the reason today's the day to change that is because we're giving away something from every single guest today. So come find me, come enter. It's super easy. We want you to get a bunch of Advent resources into your home. And for all of the show links, everything we talk about, go to jamieivy.com slash HH539. Today's episode 539, you will find all of the show notes there. All right, you guys, longest intro ever, but I want you to know what's ahead and I want you to enjoy the show so much. Here are my conversations with David, Clayton, Rachel, and Amanda. David Taylor, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you, Jamie Ivy. Glad to be here. <laughs> so you guys, um, I told you in the intro that um, I already like you and we just met for the first time. And there's two reasons I already like you. Are you ready to hear them? Yes, ma'am. Okay. The first one is your wife. Okay. Good reason. <laughs> yes. So happy our listeners. Uh, David is married to Phaedra, who was here this summer telling her encounter story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I got so many messages about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was so good. Oh. Okay, so that's the number one reason I like you before I knew you. And number two, like we just met, you are a professor. Yes, ma'am. Like you're smart. Sometimes. If you teach at <laughs> yeah, that level, okay, you're smart and you're funny. And I, did, I was like, this is going to be so fun. I hope so. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I had this like professor vibe. Do you get that a um, lot? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, my day job, people call me doctor. Um, do, would which, you like for me to call you? Oh, please do. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, I mean, it's one of those things where <clears throat> I teach students from all around the world and from different like church cultures mm-hmm. where formal mm-hmm. um, addressing is real important yeah. as a matter of respect, for sure. right? And and I want to respect that. Mm-hmm. Other students come from very casual backgrounds, and, and I'm fine. I, I, if I felt like my identity hinged on people, you know, calling you that, calling me the right title. I think you know there'd be problems, um, so I don't take myself too seriously. I, I like I, I, as a matter of conviction. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I want you to hear this, David, yes, and I ma'am. want everyone listening okay. to hear this. If Jamie Ivy ever gets a doctorate, okay, yes. I, I will be introduced as Doctor Ivy. In you fact, should. In fact, I think I'll make my kids call me Doctor Ivy. <laughs> you <laughs> like they come home. I'm, like, I'm not mom. It is Doctor Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's never going to happen. So I can laugh about it. Okay, but tell us what do you do for your day job? Dr. Taylor. Uh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I teach theology um, for a living at Fuller Theological Seminary, which means I teach students about the Trinity, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the Bible, about creation, salvation, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I teach what I call fun classes, which is like like things related to the arts, like theology in the arts, church in the arts, um, vocation of artists. I'm developing this course on science fiction and mm. theology. So those are... Those are kind of my fun classes, but I actually really do love teaching theology and helping my students feel that there's something at stake, mm. ultimately, that they would know and love God mm. more. I, I don't understand how you could or would want to teach theology for any other reason, but right. I try to help my students have, yeah, kind of a, a dynamic experience 
uh, of, of learning theology. Yeah. You know, this makes me want to ask you this question. People will ask mm. me or people all the time, like, what is your theology of this? Mm. Can you give us, like, when, when someone's asking that, mm-hmm. I think they want to know, like, where do you stand on this? Yes. But the, what does the word theology actually mean? And, and we're going to talk about Advent, you guys. That's what you're here for. But I just am <laughs> like, I need to clear the air real quick. Uh, well, I mean, if you just break down the word, it's theos and logos. So it's like study of or words about, uh, words of God, words mm-hmm. about God. And in a sense, you can take that definition and root it in the Bible. And, and in a sense, you find three kinds of theology happening in the Bible. There are words about God, right? like um, you know, Deuteronomy uh-huh. uh, has a lot of words. The prophets have word about God. Um, there are words uh, from God, uh-huh. right? So a revelation, you mm-hmm. know, the Ten Commandments. And then there are words to God. This is sort of more of a personal address. Mm-hmm. And that you'll find it in the Psalms. Yeah, I personally try to make all three of those ideas um, kind of factor into how I I teach theology mm-hmm. because a lot of seminaries may may sort of accent the about okay, but I kind of figure like if I were writing a um, Jamieology, mm-hmm. um, there are things I would want to learn about you, you know, like just basic empirical, mm-hmm. like where you come from, yeah. Who you're related to, you know, your chemistry, your neurology, like all these mm-hmm. things that make you you. But if I never actually encountered you, could I ever really say I know you? And right. what I tell my students is theology is more like, you know, snowboarding or swing dancing than like math. Like you can study about it, uh-huh. but until you go experience it, can yeah. you really say you know it? So I try to make the classroom kind of like more like snowboarding and, and swing dancing so it's like there's a sense of oh like you're really having encounters with god as yeah. well and not just learning history and stuff right okay let's let's jump to advent okay. i am super excited about this okay. um i was telling you before we started that i grew up in a um southern baptist home mm-hmm. and so we did advent because mm-hmm. our church we did mm-hmm. the candles mm-hmm. um i don't remember doing much inside my home but that is not a discredit right, to my parents. Right, right, it's right. just life and my memories. Right. But Lent is another conversation that we're not here to have, but I definitely did not remember ever practicing sure. Lent because right, right, uh, right. it was for the Catholics. Um, totally. <laughs> but I want to talk about Advent. Okay. And so we like to talk about Advent every year because mm-hmm. I see the value in it. And so oh, I want wonderful. you to come on and I want to start at like the very beginning and I want okay. you to give us some history okay. of Advent. Okay. Like. Oh, I'll just let you go. Give us some history sure. of Advent. Let me just say also autobiographically, I grew up in like the Bible church world. Okay. Parents were missionaries, grew up in Guatemala. And so it was like a combination of Dallas Theological Seminary, for which I have a lot of admiration and appreciation, uh, as do my parents, even though maybe we're in different places church-wise. And then Guatemala was a Catholic country. Right. So like for two reasons, the church calendar was you know, forbidden territory. Yeah. Like it was sort of a complete, you know, void on the Bible church side and then a complete anti, right? Right. We're because not, it's a Catholic. Yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. going to do the Catholic things. Yeah. So it wasn't until I was in college and then after college that I began kind of trying to, you know, wrap my head around mm-hmm. and then discover kind of the, the, the joy. And now I love it. Um, but it's not something I grew up with. When you just mentioned the church calendar, mm-hmm. this is something too that I'm not sure. like, Right. I have just in my last sure. 10 years even thought about or right. cared about. Were you about to explain where Advent falls? Go for yes, it. Yes, ma'am. I love um, it. So what I tell my students is that it's important to understand that a first century faithful Jew, somebody, let's say, who is following Jesus around, mm-hmm. 
and then a first century faithful follower of Jesus. So once you decide that he is the one, yeah. um, you are now a faithful uh, follower of Jesus. And you may be Jew, you may be Gentile, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of two major categories. Both those populations come from worlds where it was inconceivable to think of time uh, apart from like God or the gods. So the Jewish world has a very clear idea and conviction that all of reality is governed and chronicled, as it were, by God. So uh, God is the one who makes and rests. So there's a time for making and a time for resting. God is the one who makes evening and morning. Mm -hmm. So you have all these like fundamental rhythms that God establishes in creation. And then you have, then that it gets played out in like nature rhythms, you mm-hmm. know, uh, spring, summer, right. fall, right? And then you have festivals that then mark those seasons a- as they have in many societies, right? Throughout human history. And for a faithful Jew, there's a sense that the uh, harvest comes because God himself is the one who is the gracious provider. Mm-hmm. And so you mark not just spaces, but times Mm -hmm. with the imprint of God's hand, as it were, right? And then you have the Psalms, uh, which is maybe reiterating in a devotional or liturgical kind of, uh, like a worship kind of space, how important time is. So Psalm 4 and 5 are are often nicknamed the evening and morning Psalms because you have kind of at the end of Psalm 4, you know, I lift my voice in the Mm -hmm. evening time and then Psalm 5 is in the morning I rise and Mm -hmm. pray. And then like Psalm 119 verse 164 talks about the psalmist uh, praying to God seven times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have time again woven in all throughout the prophets. All this to say that that idea that all of time would be demarcated uh, or so I hesitate to use this word, but colonized by mm-hmm. God's idea of time, mm-hmm. by God's reality, um, was very normal. So too from like the Greco-Roman world. Right. Like, of course, you know, all of time, there's no such thing as neutral time. There's mm-hmm. always a time that is telling a story about reality and about what it means to be human everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's for those of us who live in like 20, 21st century Western world, American world, we're the, like the exception to like most of human history. We do have a calendar, and it is telling a story about mm-hmm. what it means to be human and truly human and happily human. What I tell my students is um, that if the church doesn't help us to live well in God's time, the world will, and invariably it will be a damaging thing because mm-hmm. the world's idea of time, let's say the Gregorian secular calendar, will always ask things of us that we cannot be. Um, like... Well, it'll ask us to use our time in a way that we're not meant to. And so, so time for us will always be commercialized and, and um, economized mm-hmm. uh, and driven by the market. Okay. Um, and uh, so it makes human beings less than what they are meant to be, mm-hmm. or it'll ask more okay. of what it meant to be. So to go back to our first century kind of community, um, you don't have sort of the, the church calendar showing up in the New Testament time for two reasons. One, it's assumed to be like, of course it's important. Of course we're going to mark our lives right. in like our 12 months-ish, uh-huh. you know, with some kind of way that we recognize that God is involved at every point. Uh-huh. But the second reason is, well, the the incarnation changes everything, right? So let's sort of jump forward 300 years. Once Christianity becomes legalized and Christians are free now, you know, to to live out their faith publicly and legally and economically and politically and otherwise, then they get to ask themselves questions they never got to ask themselves, which is like, 
where did Jesus do all those stuff? Like, like, where was he born? And then where did he grow up? And then where was he baptized? And, then, and this was like 300 years post-Jesus? Yeah. So this okay. is after 325, you know, after Constantine, the emperor says Christianity is legal. Okay. So in the 300s, Christians are now saying, oh, I'd love to go to Jerusalem. Like, uh-huh. I want to see where, have you you been to Israel? No. no okay, okay, I haven't either. Oh, um, I thought you were going to tell me how. No, ma'am. Okay. Uh, so, but Christians are, are wanting to, like, where did he do stuff, right? And then, of course, where did he die? And where, where, where is the tomb? Where yeah. was he ascended? Because they want to have this, like, immediate palpable sense. Mm-hmm. Now, once they ask, start asking, like, where, space, place questions, they're going to start asking time questions. But when was he born? And then when did he get baptized? Mm. And then like, when was he brought before, you know, the Sanhedrin? Mm-hmm. And then where was the the way and when did he die? And so once, once Christians start asking these two questions, then they're asking very normal questions, which is, well, let's celebrate it. Right. Right, because that's what we've always done. That's our inheritance, right? So um, the first celebration obviously is gonna be the Lord's Day. But then um, Saturday also gets tacked on because it is the Sabbath day. Right, and the funny thing is, in English, like English terms for the week, um, uh, our terms are coming either from Greco-Roman mythology or from Norse uh, mythology. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are all Norse mythological Mm -hmm. gods, and then Saturn and Sunday, the sun god, are Greco-Roman. Okay. In the Spanish, however, these are the languages from the Latin. um, They retain Christian names, so it's Sabado which is Sabbath day, okay. and Domingo, which is the Lord's day, which is very interesting, right? Wow, how that very kind of reor- reorients kind of how you think about things. So that, okay, we're going to celebrate the Lord's day because um, this is the first day of the week, right? Um, this is the day in which res- it's like the eighth day of, of creation, it's resurrection day. But now let's add Sabbath because that's you know also important to us. Uh, and then, well, what if we commended a whole week's worth you know, of commending ourselves to God? And then, then you get sort of the, when was he born? So in the fourth century, it's like, well, when was he born? And then it's kind of messed up because it's hard to find out really when he was born. But let's say it lands on, like, let's just say December 25th, which yeah. is eventually what it lands on as, as like the darkest point uh-huh. um, in the Northern Hemisphere. And then that's when the light begins to, you know, erupt again. Like that's the how light. they pick the day? Mm-hmm. Essentially. I feel like I'm in your class. I should pay money for this. This is <laughs> no, 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 this no. is the best thing I'll do all day. Okay, I'm just letting you know. So, so once you, once you kind of land on the birth, then it's like, well, let's make a celebration. Okay. Right? But then it's like, well, but how do we prepare well? And then how did how did it happen in the Bible world, right? Because Jesus came, but there's all this stuff that came before, right? Like 400 years of like whatever, uh-huh. right? And then there's John the Baptist who prepares. Where does he prepare? He prepares in the desert. That's a place like shorthand for for exile. That's also a place for like mourning and weeping and grieving and anticipating and longing. Oh, well, let's do that too. So that's where Advent comes. And wow. like 100 years later, kind of the fifth century, somewhere in like modern day France, you begin sort of this like, well, shoot, let's just do it right. Yeah. Let's, like, let's, let's, let's do like a mirror of what they would have experienced sort of in like the Bible times, sure. right? So you get that. And then the where Jesus died becomes, well, let's celebrate that and we'll celebrate his resurrection. But then lots of other stuff happened before he got crucified. So that's Holy Week. And then they're like, well, but, you know, this is also sort of like a time of sorrow, right? Because we're entering into his passion. So we don't just want to, to 
you know, think like him. We want to live like him. So how can we imitate him, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Right. We're supposed to imitate him. Uh-huh. So well, let's let's um, let's do forty days because didn't Jesus? He was forty days in there, right? What was it? Uh, Israel? Yeah, Israel was forty years, right? So forty, forty sounds 40. great. Let's do forty, right? That sounds kind of biblical. So we backtrack it all the way to East Ash, Ash Wednesday, right? So Ash Wednesday kind of carries us through. Sundays, however, you don't do Lent because it's always the Lord's day. It's always resurrection. So in the sort of the counting, it's 40 days except for Sunday. Okay. So Sunday is like, it's always resurrection. Right. Right. And then, so now you have these two sort of like solar systems uh-huh. of like, saying we want to be completely like Jesus in every aspect. Like there's there's no square inch of reality or time that we don't want to be characterized by Jesus's life yeah. in our own life. Uh-huh. So then that's how kind of Advent, Christmas, and then Epiphany is again sort of like, well, what happens after that? It's the Magi. Uh-huh. And it's not just like, oh, it's going to have a cool thing. It's like that's when Jesus is revealed to the world because mm-hmm. these are going to be the mm-hmm. first Gentiles that witness him. So that's, you know, Epiphany. And then we then we go into Ash Wednesday all the way through Lent and then Easter. And then when did he ascend? Oh, 50 days after. So, well, you know, well, at some point, I'm sorry, at some point in that time, Jesus ascends. And then 50 days later is the Holy Spirit comes. Right. Well, that's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. Well, of course it is a big deal. I mean, that's like when we actually get to live out Jesus's uh-huh. life, because before that, we don't have the power yeah. um, to to do Jesus's life. So let's do that. And then what happens out of that? Well, the Holy Spirit just enables us to be faithful citizens of the earth in heaven's name. So then that's the ordinary days where like the Holy Spirit should empower us for everything that we do. And that's Advent. <laughs> I feel like I just took... Sorry, that was like a lot. <laughs> I love it. I literally am sitting here just like, okay, keep going, David. Tell me more. Tell me more. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. 
Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. It's so interesting because everything you said, 99% of it I've never heard in my entire mm-hmm. life. And so as a follower of Jesus, I feel like that's important. And it makes me even understand it more. It makes me um, think differently, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so this stuff didn't just come out. Like no. faithful followers of Jesus were finding ways that we could never totally. forget right. and celebrate and anticipate. So I, I love that history. So when we in 2022 mm-hmm. observe right. Advent, right, 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 right. Um, I have two questions: Why is that important for the church, mm-hmm. and why is that important for us as followers of Jesus? Because uh, I'll say yeah. this: Some people could be like, I mean, this isn't in the Bible, y'all. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I was raised in a tradition where we want to be faithful to Scripture, and I, like I still today want to be faithful to Scripture. What I tell my students is. Number one, there's no, there's no such thing as a neutral idea of time. There's only a time that is telling a story of the world. Secondly, there's no story of the world that doesn't ask you to become a certain kind of human being. Like every religion, every philosophy, every everything has an idea of what it means to be human in the world. And then that third thing is if the church doesn't help us to live well in time, then the church will and then invariably to be kind of a damaging thing. So then sort of the corresponding sort of trilogy of ideas is that the church calendar, first of all, helps us to live into the rhythms of God's time. Mm. Secondly, kind of matching to the kind of the second one is that the church calendar helps us to live deeply and thoroughly into the rhythms of Jesus's own life. 
Um, and I think what I try to help my students is what the New Testament is offering us in the, the redemptive and recreative work of Jesus is not a minimalist vision of life on planet Earth, but a maximalist vision mm-hmm. of what it means for every square inch of our lives to be saturated by and characterized by the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that is untouched, right? Right. So the church calendar is helping us to be in the most maximalist way possible um, shaped by Jesus. Mm. So, so the calendar is taking us at the beginning of Christ's life and all the way through to the end. And the end is not the ascension when he, he, he you know, when he goes up. <laughs> uh, the, the end is when he gives the Spirit who comes down, so that you and I can be the life of mm-hmm. Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus, the eyes and ears, the mouth and tongue, and every part of Jesus, yeah. not just individually, but us together, everywhere. Right. So in every sphere of our lives, the life of Jesus is being manifested. So, uh, so that, that's like the, the, the macro reason. Yeah. The church calendar is all about Jesus. So it's like, do I have to do it? No, right? But there's so much about the, the life of faith that is a get to. Like, why wouldn't mm. I want Jesus to characterize every aspect of my life? I don't like micromanage. I was like, well, did Jesus tell me to sit down on this couch? No. Right. right. That's fine. <laughs> like, it's not that, but is not God interested in establishing the kingdom of, you know, uh, of, of God or Jesus, you know, uh, however you want to call it in the Gospels, uh, on earth as it is in heaven? Right. And does that mean not everything that we do, including time, mm. does that not get to be marked by the life of Jesus and by the loves of Jesus and by the work of Jesus and by his fatherly or even motherly care, you know, mm-hmm. his tender like a hen, mm-hmm. you know, who gathers, you know, all those. So that's what I tell my students. It's kind of like the big picture is it's inviting us into the rhythms of the life of Jesus. And like, why would we not? Right. Like, like it's like, of course. Yeah. Right. Everything is yours, Lord. Your sovereignty, your lordship be over time. What is Advent? What do those weeks leading up to the birth of Jesus, what do they look like for your family? Well, um, eventually Advent – like in church history, it was nicknamed the Little Lent. So Lent, Lent is like, like the Big Lent. I've never heard that in my entire life. No, I know m- most people haven't. And most this of my students. This is the best have. day of my life, David. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, it's a time of anticipation, longing, um, pouring out our hearts to God, um, and doing that together. Right. So we. Um, Kind of like in a mirror or reflection of like Lent, Lent, we try to do, um, we try to embrace things and try to, and we give up things. So sometimes, and we'll do this maybe once, maybe we'll do it once a week, but we'll, um, once sort of the evening time comes with dinner and the rest of the night, we'll turn off all lights and put away all electronics. And so we'll have dinner with candlelight. We'll go to bed with candlelight. Mm-hmm. We'll go to bed like reading books, you know, yeah. with candlelight, and just sort of quiets things yeah. down, which is nice. Um, we have like little books kind of here and there that help us as a family, maybe mm-hmm. around dinner time. The, obviously, the prayer cards that we created are something that we use with the kids that just kind of like, um, you know, it helps us like reflect, like you know, what's God doing today in our heart. But those prayer cards, Fader and I created because yeah. Tell me about these because yeah. I remember I heard Fader talking about it. Well, we wanted to create them especially for families, but they're just as I think useful to like small groups and you know, adults of of all kinds. 
um, to provide images and word. Mm. Um, because sometimes an image, as they say, you know, is worth a thousand words. Yeah. But it, the images are are. Well, they're great for adults, but kids really resonate because you, especially if you're a little kid and you don't read, uh-huh. it's like, what does this picture right. make you think of? And what does it make you feel? And so it's a wonderful starter. And then on the back, there's a verse, you know, kind of tying into some part of the story in Matthew and Luke, and then a prayer and then an activity. Mm. And again, we don't want people to be stressed out about these kinds of things, but kind of like, oh, what could we do to respond to um you know, faith, hope, and yeah. love. What could we do to respond to, like, Joseph? You know, we have a card for Joseph. Because Mary, you know, obviously play, she plays a very central role, but so does Joseph. I mean, he is the adoptive father yep. of Jesus. That's kind of a big deal. So is there a way that Joseph can inspire in each of us a quiet, hidden service of God that doesn't get the limelight? And that's hard. It's hard because <laughs> usually if you serve a lot or sacrifice a lot, and nobody sees it, that's that's a challenge, right? But there's a little activity can go along. Joseph, the prayer says this. Oh, Father, you who grace Joseph to be a father to your son, grace us also to be fathers and mothers to the fatherless and motherless, sons and daughters to the childless, adopted brothers and sisters to the lonely, aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents to all who are without kith and kin, so that we might become healing agents of your familiar love this day, we pray this in the name of our great brother. Amen. And so that's the prayer that's on the mm-hmm, back of Joseph's mm-hmm. cross. And then there's an activity. Uh-huh. Like uh, You're right. These are not, we're not asking you to do something massive every day that can feel <laughs> no. overwhelming. The activity on the back of this one says, text somebody in your community and tell them a specific way that you appreciate them and consider asking how you might pray for them today. There you go. That's amazing. I mean, and that goes a long way. And yeah. how many times have we thought, oh, I should text them. Right. Never do. Yeah. Or that was a great sermon. I should tell them, I never do. Yeah. Or thanks for leading worship. I should tell them, I never do. Right. So, there bye. you go. We'll just give you a prompt. <laughs> and you, these aren't numbered for days. You just kind of No, you can them. actually choose as a family how, I mean, some of them might, like, some, obviously Day. There's Christmas yeah. Day. There's a New Year's. Uh-huh. I wrote two for New Year's Eve because I thought there's n- there's no one prayer for the ending of the year because what if a lot of hard stuff happened the yeah. year? So I wanted to write a, a prayer for like if it was a hard oh, year and then yeah. if it was a pr- it was, if it was a good year yeah. like, like you're overflowing with gratitude. Yeah, yeah. But if there's just a lot to lament, yeah. I want to kind of name that as well. And then we have um, we did one for the flight to Egypt. Because that is a pretty big part yeah. of Jesus's story, right. and so um, we wrote it as a prayer for refugees. Mm. Because that's a thing. That's, that's a, thing. a reality, right? Yeah. So how can we be yeah. mindful and present? And then is there something we can do? Yeah. So. Well, I love those cards so much. And later in the conversation today, we're talking with um, the girls from She Reads Truth, mm-hmm. and then the guy from Advent Blocks. And we're going to do one big giveaway with all Amen. these things. So I'm going to really help to equip people. Um, David, I have one more question for you. But okay. first, today's What Are You Reading segment is sponsored by Tommy Nelson and the new children's book, Ocean's World. Ocean's World, an island of discovery and adventure, is written by Carlos and Alexa Pinavega, inspired by their firstborn son, Ocean, and their home in Hawaii. Ocean and his little brother, Kingston, explore the beautiful island of Maui in search of a sunrise shell for their mom's birthday gift. But with a rumbling volcano and so much to unearth, will the boys ever find the special shell? Join Ocean and Kingston as they explore the ocean, discover wildlife, and learn fascinating marine facts in this adventure story for kids. All right, David, what are you reading besides this ocean book that you want to read? Because I want to act like I'm in Hawaii through Ocean and Kingston. I think that sounds pretty awesome. Right? (laughs) Me too. What are you reading these days? Jamie wants to know, Jamie wants to know, we want to know what you're reading. 
I'm reading a number of things. So let me just say something I'm reading at night, and it's the mysterious mysterious Benedict Society. Okay, um, it's such a sweet. It's a it's a young adult um, series mm-hmm. of stories. I actually like reading in a yeah, YA, yeah. right? It helps my heart sort of feel young, uh-huh. right? Um, there, there's a lot of like really sweet, I mean, there's some, you know, like the dystopia novels, YA novels that were yeah. pretty popular 10 years ago. But this one just has such a lot of heart. It it it's, uh, features kids who are all orphans. Um, they're like 9, 10, 11 years old. And they go on like adventures, solving mysteries. Okay. And it's just so like emotionally... Uh, honest, like with the characterization of each kid, and they all have strengths and weaknesses, and eventually they learn they learn the lesson of taking care of each other. Which I'm like, when do you ever run out of right. learning that lesson? I know. Right. So it's uh, five novels actually, okay. and I'm reading the the fifth one right now. I just they just put us a little smile, and they make my heart a little Aww. like soft and happy. I'm like, oh, there's goodness in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's it called again? The Mysterious Benedict Society. I got it. Okay, before we go, I want you to tell us about the last book you released, and then I want to hear what you're working on, because I want to give everyone a little oh, food yes, for ma'am. thought. Okay, so the last book I wrote is Open and Unafraid. Look at that. <laughs> uh, let's see, The Psalms as a Guide to Life. So I came out a couple years ago, and I was essentially asking the question, if you went to that proverbial lonely island with only one book, uh-huh. and that book was a Psalter, what kind of human being would you become uh-huh. after like, you know, decades yeah. of only reading the yeah. Psalter. Yeah. And uh, so that's the book. Like, what kind of human would you be if you immerse yourself in the Psalms wow. on a regular basis? And I- I've mentioned this to you before, but not because I was especially good at it in my 20s and 30s, but eventually I realized how damaging it was for me to not be emotionally healthy or emotionally intelligent. And so reading or, or writing this book was a way to say, Actually, I think this is one of the most emotionally intelligent books that has ever been written in the history of humanity. Mm. Uh, and if you read it, it will help you bring to God what John Calvin once said, uh, the things that you would usually be very ashamed to say to anybody mm. uh, or embarrassed. But here the Psalms helps you say these things to God and to each other, and that's part of our healing. Yeah. So that's the Psalms. And then the book I have coming out in the spring is called A Body of Praise understanding the role of our physical bodies in worship. So it's basically a theology of the body meets the worship of the church. And it is so fun. I have chapters on the Bible, theology, history. I have a science chapter, like what's going on like in our bodies from the perspective of the sciences, like when we smell and see Uh and hear and touch. And I have one on ethics where I talk about race. I talk about disabilities. um, I talk about technology. It's so fun. I'm super excited. It's coming. We're going to have you back on the podcast to talk about it. Thank you. Would love it. Um, David, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, if my husband had a dollar for every time I said, I just want to learn more church history. Oh, really? He would have a lot of dollars. And today, <laughs> you made me even more excited about potentially oh. learning more about church history because oh, that's fun. I just admittedly don't know very much. It's fine. And, it's well, normal. it's not. It's, well, okay. I'll say, Look, I, I'm going to say yeah. this. I think it's normal. Yes. But this is what I'm starting to realize. I'm having this like kind of like this midlife crisis of mm. like I everything I do mm. is for Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I I follow him faithfully. I mean, you mm-hmm. know. Sure. I make mistakes obviously. Sure, sure, sure. I'm not saying that. But like I want to make him known. Yes. But then sometimes I sit back and go, I'm a part of a I'm a part of like an organization even though we know it's more than that. Sure, but this sure, sure. follower of Jesus club. Yes. 
But I don't know much about the people who went before me other mm. than the five fa- names that everyone sure, knows sure, sure, sure. and then the people in the Bible. Yep. I'm just kind of having this internal crisis of like, I think it matters that I know more. So that's well, where I am, David. Okay, so this is what I tell my students. Think about how much encouragement, like deep, deep, profound encouragement you have received from friends, mm-hmm. other people who love Jesus. Yeah. Think about all the people that have encouraged and instructed and inspired and helped you to be wise mm-hmm. and to love God more and love each other more. Now expand that by a billion, and that's church history. That's like you have your friends that you know, but just imagine that you had all those friends for 2,000 years in so many different places with different perspective, different kinds of encouragement, different wisdom. That's church history. Gosh, I want that. Me too. David, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Jamie Ivey. You guys, did you know that 91% of people keep their smartphone within arm's reach all day? Yes, mine's right here next to me right now. 2,617 is the average number of times each of us touches our phone every day. You guys, that is so much. And when we become distracted on our phones, it takes more than 20 minutes for us to refocus. It's no secret that screen time is one of the biggest issues facing families today. So I'm excited to introduce you to Aro, a technology company that has developed the first in-home digital well-being solution designed just for families. Our family is trying to figure this out all the time. A lot of weekends in the month, I take Instagram off my phone. It really helps me not pick up my phone 2,617 times. We have boundaries on our kids' phones, even though they may not like them. You guys remember when we had Heath and Joey on for our boundaries episode in number 537? They're the ones who started RO. They're both fathers, and they really wanted to help solve this problem for their own families. And now you and I get to benefit from this as well. RO leverages the science of habit formation and motivational design to ensure parents and kids don't miss out on what's most important by helping reclaim time spent on their phones. The RO app acts as a guide to help you be more intentional, present, and connected in real life. It reminds us to take breaks from our phones, measures the time you spend away, and it rewards you for that intentional time and gamifies the experience within your household. The app starts measuring your disconnected time as soon as it's placed in the RO home device. The RO at home device, which is beautiful. The design's amazing. I have one at my own house sitting on the counter right now. It holds and charges up to five phones. So the Ivy family is loving our RO box and we're loving the app, which helps us track how much time we're spending away from our phone. And then it's giving us rewards and you can play a game within your whole family. Unlike other app only solutions designed to reduce screen time, the RO platform combines an app and a physical device to create distance between you and your phone so you can have quality time without the distraction of your device. I'll tell you the number one way we're using this right now in our home is Sunday nights. We try our hardest to make sure everyone's home and we have a family dinner because with teenagers, guys, you've got to make that happen. So now that we have our RO box, we can put our phones in there. Otherwise, we would just say, hey, guys, everyone off your phone, but your phone is right next to you. This box has helped us so much. The RO monthly membership starts at $15 for an entire family, and that includes the RO home device for free. Reduce your phone usage and join the RO mission at goaro.com. RO is spelled A-R-O, so it's goaro.com. G-O-A-R-O dot com. Clayton, welcome to the happy hour. 
Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a special episode. Um, our listeners have already heard from David Taylor all about what Advent is and why it matters. And I'm super excited to talk with you about this because I've been a fan of what you guys have created and are doing for a while. And so it's fun to share it with the world. So first of all, before we dive into how you love Advent and how you've created such an amazing resource for kids, I really just introduce yourself to my listeners so they know who they're listening to. Yeah, so I'm Clayton Green. I live here in North Carolina with my wife, Kristen. We have two little girls, 10 and 8. Their names are Kara and Susan. And uh, I'm excited to be here, you know, have listened uh, for quite some time and uh, excited to be able to meet you here and um, be a part of the podcast. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, I'm a mom to four and my kids are uh, at the time that people are listening to this, they are going to be 18, 17, 17, and almost 15. So I've got these big kids in my house. But I remember Clayton as a mom to little kids. And a lot of times the holiday season uh, can feel sporadic and it can feel crazy. And and I would go to church and I'd come home with all the Advent things I was supposed to do. And then I'd feel guilty if we missed a day. All the things, all of the moms right. and dads who have young kids and you and your wife as well probably are like, yes, we understand it. But what I loved so much is when I had really easy resources to be able to talk with my kids about. So you guys have started something that is super phenomenal. So before you even tell us what you started, I want to I want you to tell us why you started it. Yeah, well, you've already keyed in on a couple of the key things there, right? Where it's like you have some resources that you're pulling together. You missed one. It, it didn't happen the way that it was supposed to happen. So we're all trying, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2018 was that year where we were trying our hardest. We were reading some kind of Advent devotional, hit or miss. And it was, I believe it was December 23rd that my daughter, Kara, who's that oldest one I was uh-huh. telling you about, said to us, Mommy and Daddy, you say that Christmas is all about Jesus, but it feels like Christmas is all about presents. Jamie, he was five. Ouch. Five out here delivering stuff like that. So, I mean, it was it was like a knife in the back yeah. for sure. And it was it was really, really uh, hard to take, but it was too late at that point. Christmas is two days later. <laughs> You're like, we just, well, I got a lot of presents for you, sweet girl. <laughs> here yeah, we go. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fast forward to 2019, um, you know, I kind of like dabbling with wood. Um, I had searched the internet trying to find something that was tangible and beautiful that would actually build that anticipation in mm-hmm. our home. Mm-hmm. Um, the presents, the gifts were still there, but to actually rival that excitement of the lights and the songs and everything, I couldn't quite find anything that I felt like did what we wanted it to do. And so I started drawing how pieces of wood would move around our house and through the living room or whatever. I showed my wife, Kristen, three different options. She immediately pointed to the one in the center and said, that one, and you should call it Advent Blocks. And that's the one that you know today. And it was done. And it's called Advent Blocks. And it was done. Well, you know, I think we all have those moments as parents when our kids say something that kind of go, oh, oh, you're right. It's about the gospel, child. How did I forget this? And so I'm grateful for that moment because now we have a really great resource. So you really decided, hey, I want to make something tangible that we can that we can touch and move in place. So tell us about Advent Blocks. Well, the tangible piece was really kind of the driver in the very beginning, but there was also this idea of anticipation, right? Mm. Every time a gift is added under the tree or you hide one in the closet, it doesn't matter where Uh you put them. There's this in, insane anticipation for when am I going to get to open those presents? Yeah. So we tried to, wanted to have some anticipation. We thought there needed to be a tangible nature to it. So what we came up with, with is these 25 blocks. You number them one through 25, set them up on a mantle or a bed or the floor or wherever, wherever you, can you find want. A place. 
And uh, on top of number one is a star block. And on top of number 25 is a globe block. And each day you turn the number block that you read the story and it reveals a corresponding image to the story and the guide that you have. And the star moves to stand on top of that new image. So day two, you flip, you see the corresponding image, and you move the star. Three, you flip, you move the star. And so you end up having a couple of things that are pretty powerful in terms of the consistency of the family doing this and building this anticipation that every day, oh, what's that image going to be? And the kids are, they, they fight. If you have more than one, they fight over who gets to turn the block and who gets to move the star. But then you also have this like, um, and this visual of the star every day moving closer and closer to the globe, which is also creating that kind of idea of anticipation. So you move all the way across on December 24th. Uh, we have what we call the big reveal. You turn the blocks all one more time and it says Emmanuel, mm. God with us. Mm. And it's sitting there on the mantle and it, and it corresponds to what the guide has been saying all month and, and what the whole point of Christmas is, which is God came to earth in Christ. Yeah. And you know, Something like this is fun because the anticipation that kids have is so exciting and they love the idea of flipping this over and finding out what is on the other side. And you guys have a great resource to go along to really help parents and guide them in carrying that that theme of Emmanuel God with us all the way through those 25 days. And so there's this great book that comes with the Advent blocks and it goes through each one. So like day one, when you're talking about it, I found it and it's the apple. So you got to start all the way back at the very beginning uh, with Adam and Eve, which we need to start back at the beginning with Adam and Eve. So I, I love that you guys have created this resource because like I said earlier, and like we both said, it is, a, it is a struggle for parents. And so I would love to hear from you that from that 2018 moment with your daughter really saying, hey, by the way, parents, what about Jesus? To now where you are and you've started this resource, I'm sure you hear from a lot of parents. What is it like in your home now at that anticipation leading up to Christmas, the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus with you and your kids and these Advent blocks? Yeah, I mean, it, it really has been beautiful. That that year after 2019, uh, there were five families. Mm. One of those families was Chris Papalardo, who is the author of The King is Coming, the, the book that leads you through the Advent blocks throughout all of December 1st through 25th. And those five families, we had it really did do what we wanted it mm. to do. We were actually a little bit surprised that it built this in- anticipation that when we got to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, our girls wanted to read the guide and like know the story and see what happened with the blocks. Now, they let me not be fake here. They were very excited about the presence, but they also asked yeah. to do the guide. Mm-hmm. And, and that type of anticipation was um, it was it was beautiful for those five families. The next year we had 5000 families join us almost accidentally. Uh, last year it was about 16000 families. So it continues to grow and we continue to get that report of I've never started and finished mm-hmm. a guide before. Yeah, uh, my my kids won't let me leave the house in December uh, without doing this. Family, we make it really easily and portable because whenever you take your trip, you got You're going to visit family or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can take it with you. Um, yeah, so it's it's been really cool. I think one of the pieces that we hear most commonly is about day three or three to seven, depending on the age of the kids. They actually start saying the last phrase of each guide with mm. you. So when I when I talked to Chris when he was initially writing, um, our girls were were at that time reading um, the uh, Treehouse. Uh, magic treehouse books. Yes. And at the end of the first chapter of every magic treehouse book, there's this refrain, the treehouse started to spin and it spun faster and faster. And then everything was still absolutely still. And I said, they would say that out loud with me. And so I really wanted there to be something that we 
that was that we said over and I didn't know what it was called. And yeah. Chris said, "You want you want a refrain?" Ah, uh, so there the you refrain, go. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking at Joseph here, there, and it's different a little bit every day. But it's as they stayed in Egypt, God seemed far away, so all of Joseph's children began to hope and pray. And then mm. they everybody says this together: "God, will you come back to stay?" And so by day three or seven, they start saying that, and it gets louder and louder and louder. And then Chris does this amazing thing on day seventeen, where he changes the refrain. And it's not, will you come back? It says, God is coming back. And so it, boom, it builds that anticipation again. Everybody's saying it. And by, by Christmas Day, uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, everybody's almost screaming it because it's here. It's here. Um, Chris did an amazing job with the God in that way. Clayton, I love this so much. I can see all these little kiddos like learning, like, God, are you going to come stay? And then God is here to stay. God came to earth to say, this is yeah. so beautiful. Well, Clayton, I, I can't wait to hear from the families who are listeners of the happy hour who hear about you guys and get to experience this, this Christmas with their children, because I'm going to be honest, you and I would both agree. Like as parents, we want to point our kids to Jesus uh, around yes. Christmas. Like it's, it's not of like, Oh, we forgot or, 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 or we don't want to like, that is our deepest, deepest desire. And so this tool, is such a great help for parents. And so you guys, uh, happy hour listeners, I got some two cool things for you. Ready? First of all, Clayton and all the people over at Advent Blogs, you guys are so kind to offer our listeners 15% off. So if you guys go to their webpage, we'll put it in the show notes, but also if you go to goodkind.shop. Use the code happy hour, you're going to get 15% off. Uh, I, I just want to say, you guys, this is would be great if you are a teacher in a classroom that is at a faith-based school, this would be really fun to do with your students. If you are an aunt that sees your kids once a week, her your nieces and nephews, this would be really fun for them to experience when they come to Auntie's house, you know, every Tuesday night for dinner. Parents, obviously so great. Grandparents, set this up in your house when your kids come over. Who cares if you only do day 5, 7, 12, and 25? Who cares, guys? It's so great, so great. So 15% off with the code happy hour. And then we're going to go a step further. We're going to give one of these away to one of you guys who are listeners. Go to my Instagram page, at Jamie IV, and we've got something there for you. Clayton, I am cheering you guys on from the rooftops. Um, Super grateful for this resource that you've created as a mama who had little kids. And now, listen, Clayton, here's where I am in life. I'm thinking when I have grandkids, we're going to go through the advent blocks. I'm not going to have grandkids anytime soon. Do not even hear that. But, you know, my kids are past the blocks age. I'm so excited for what you guys have created. This is really, really beautiful. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm really encouraged by what you're doing. And hopefully we'll have more people join us this year. Guys, everybody join Advent Blocks. Go to goodkind.shop. Get your blocks. Use the code happy hour for 15% off. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Rachel and Amanda, welcome back to the happy hour. Always a treat to be on the happy hour. Such a joy. And at our favorite time of year, too. I know. Oh, well, look at this. Well, you guys are like, you're like staples around here is what I need to say. I mean, if a year (laughs) goes by and we don't have Amanda Bible Williams or Rachel Myers on the show, are we even living? What what are you even doing? What are you doing with your life? What are we doing with our lives? We are doing one happy hour a year and we love it. I love it. Uh, the only thing's better is if I can come to Nashville and have a happy hour in person. A lot better. You guys, yes, please. this is our Advent episode, and we've heard from David, and we've heard from Clayton, and now I want to talk to you guys. And I knew I wanted to talk to you guys from the get-go about this episode, uh, because you, when I think of Advent, I think of She Reads Truth. I really <laughs> do. And I know you guys are like, marketing, yes. But I just really, I think about you guys and your heart for women being in the Word. And so... I want to talk to you just about the importance of Advent for us women. Most of my listeners are women. And what does that mean during this particular season that can Mm -hmm. sometimes feel very, very chaotic? So I want to ask you guys, why is it important for us to be in the word specifically during the season? Yeah. I mean, you said it like it's important all the time and it's important for this, this season because the season of Advent is our walk up, right? It's our it's our walk up music, our soundtrack <laughs> as we walk up to Christmas Day. And and the season of Advent keeps us focused on and pre- it prepares us for what we're going to celebrate on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And so being in the word is so essential to that preparation because that is our source to to know what is true right. about this Jesus that we are celebrating and not just who he is but why he came um what that means for us and so the place where we find all of that is in scripture and i think mm-hmm. that the the thing that becomes that is true all year long like you said mm-hmm. amanda but becomes like loud um at christmas time in december um is that sense of and that like even conversation around longing like the mm-hmm. like what do you want for christmas like everybody make your christmas <laughs> list and like how many mothers-in-law are going like give me a list of all the things to get for your kids and you're like but that's my list to get for <laughs> my kids right um, but um I think that like longing becomes like it gets a microphone, it gets an amp at Mm Christmas time. And so we start thinking about the things that we want or the things that we may never have. Like it goes so far beyond stuff where it's like, man, that person that was with us last year and isn't with us this year or that I thought that by this year I would have a spouse or a kid or like a baby. Like there are these longing just it. It gets a microphone and a speaker mm-hmm. at Christmas time. And I think that like that's why we read the Bible during Advent mm-hmm. because we find, and this is what our Advent study is titled this year, that Jesus is the joy of every mm-hmm. longing heart. And that assumes mm-hmm. that every heart is longing, right? That's and right. that every heart, whether it knows it or not, is longing for him. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's so good. And I think about Christmas season and every year I say the same thing out loud, you guys. I'm not kidding. Every year 
I proclaim that I will have all my gifts bought by yep. December 1st. <laughs> yep. I proclaim that they will be all wrapped under the tree by December 15th. You know, and so for most women that are listening, December is not just another month. It is also filled with your regular responsibilities right. plus extra responsibilities. Yeah. And so I have found if I, as a mom, as a teacher, as a friend, want to bring this like microphone towards longing towards Jesus, I need to work with my own heart That's and right. deal with my own stuff first. And so I love the mission and the message of She Reads Truth. What is y'all's, tell, say out loud your um, mission statement again. Women in the Word of God every day. That's it. Women in the Word Wit-wagged. of God every day. We've, uh, we've now, we've got the, um, is it called the acronym? Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Witwagged. Yep. There, there exists one piece of merchandise that says Witwagged, and it was one that I made for specifically me. for Rachel, a mug that just says yeah. Witwagged. W-I-T. I would, I would wear that hat, guys. Oh, I, I would mean, wear that same. Hat. We'll work on that. I mean, okay. we'll give it, it to you for, for Christmas. Me, Are you longing Thank for that, you. Jamie? I am longing for that hat. I'm longing for that hat. Um, you know, one of the things that you guys do at She Reads Truth is the, the amazing thing about knowing you guys for so long is I've watched your company grow and evolve from studies for women to studies for kids, studies for men, mm-hmm. Bibles, all kinds of things. And so your Advent studies are really, really like special and precious to so many women because it is this this moment. Some of the people are probably introduced to you guys for the first time through Advent studies. And you guys put a lot of care and thought into each mm-hmm. Advent study. And so can you guys tell us about the one for this year? Yeah. So I told you that the, the, the title for this year's study is Joy of Every Longing Heart. And what's cool about that is that we looked at um, what happens to be both Amanda's and my favorite Christmas hymn, uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And we actually, and this was Amanda's idea back in like January. She was like, what if for Advent this year, we run down the lyrics of that entire hymn? Because mm-hmm. it's written by Charles Wesley, one of his 6,000 hymns. And I, I can't even. Um, and, and, but, he was a man who knew his Bible. And so mm-hmm. the word, like, it's just like theological, like rich statement after rich statement mm-hmm. that is just coming out of scripture. And so we broke up the hymn across five weeks and we're looking at the scriptures as our way to like kind of walk toward the manger. So not only do we have this reading plan coming out of this hymn, which like, I think we should read because I think it'd be really cool to read. But like, we also, like you said, like, so the men and women are reading this reading plan together. He reads truth and she reads truth. And then like, Likewise, the kids, like like you said, we care so much about like engaging the whole family around this season and, you know, creating table cards and Christmas ornaments, countdown things. And so all of those things yeah. get us really excited. Yeah. Will you, Amanda, can we have, Jamie, can we read the hymn? It's short. I, I either want you to read it or sing it. So you guys pick. Let's oh. go with read. 100% going to read this. Um, go for it. And then when I'm finished reading it, you can pretend that I just sang it beautifully. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> all right, that's what go. we're going to do. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Like, that's Christmas, right? Like, it's 
all of these truths about who Jesus is and why he came and why that changes absolutely everything for us. And so we're just walking through and finding all the scriptures that inspired this hymn and looking at the Christmas story and the story of Advent, the story of a people waiting for a Savior. Mm -hmm. And now we are a people waiting for our Savior to return, um, and we're just using this hymn as like the lens through which we look at these scriptures. And so it's been, you know, we've been in it um, ahead of you all for a while now, and it has ministered to us so deeply, and I am just on actual like pins and needles, like on the edge of my seat. Yes. Just waiting. She is literally on the for, edge of my seat. I am, <laughs> like right now. She is not actually on pins and needles, though. I need literally to call and, off. Uh-huh, that's yeah. true. Literally yeah. and figuratively on the edge of my seat because I just, I'm so expectant for the way that God is yeah, going to same. meet us as a as as his daughters and sons um, in this season through these scriptures. Amanda, as you were reading that um, song, I got tears in my eyes. I watched you, is. Jamie. You were like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I literally did. And I just felt this like long, I mean, longing, right. you know? Yeah. And so it felt so like, I want to be, pre- I want to prepare yeah. for these next five weeks. And I want to be attentive to what is in front of me. And I think, you know, next week is Thanksgiving. And then right after that is we just jump right into December and then it's Christmas. And, and so many times we wake up and it's yeah. like January 1st. Right. And I, I've had many Christmases where I wake up and go, did I pause? Like, did I rest and reflect? And so I love what you guys are doing because even Amanda just reading that, my whole body just kind of relaxed a little bit as I, (laughs) as I, as I thought about the longing. And so can you guys also, you know, we're talking about this Bible study for women, but you guys also have, you have a family bundle, like tell us whatever, all the other stuff you have for Advent. Yeah. Oh, it's there's so much good stuff. So this this study is super special, and there is there's the study book for the she's as we call you guys and the he's, um, and then for the kids we have a kids read truth bundle that has there's a story and scripture book as we call it it's for one of my favorite books of all time. Oh, it's so good. It's called This Is the Christmas Story. And Rachel, what is the first line? The Christmas story doesn't begin with a baby. It began with a promise. And it takes us right back to Genesis, and yeah. we tell the Christmas story from where it really began. Yeah, and which so, is so she reads truth of us. It's I love it so <laughs> us to do. Yeah, you know, go back to the garden. Yeah, but it's um, true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there's a there's an ornament set that um, that kind of goes along with that that book that you can use in tandem. That is just like a tangible something to do with your kids, even the real littles, um, to just just once a day focus. Um, the family's attention and affection on Jesus. Just and, giving the kids a chance to like read a scripture. Right, that's right. I mean, yeah. if we're going to make a, a countdown chain before we go on family vacation, like <laughs> let's make a countdown. Um, and that's kind of what Advent is, right? Mm-hmm. Is, we're, is we're preparing to celebrate um, the birth of the most significant human who ever lived, yeah. <laughs> like the, the person who um, who changed our lives, the God who became man and came to dwell among us. And so we have that for the kids. There's also, Rachel mentioned the Advent Conversation Cards. I love these. That's a Kids Read Truth product, which means it's a family product. Mm-hmm. And they've existed for um, several years now, and they got like mm-hmm. kind of a revamp not too long ago. Um, but they're just... Keeping them fresh. Every mm-hmm. year, so good to just facilitate conversation around Advent. And the thing I love about those cards um, is that 
on the back of each card, like there's a scripture reading, there's the open mm-hmm. your Bible moment as a family, but then mm-hmm. on the back we kind of go, um, we have three levels of questions. And so one can be like a yes or no answer or like a one word answer Jesus. for the little kids, you know, <laughs> just to like give them the chance, give them that yeah. win and give them that like, I'm yeah. in this too. There's one that's a short answer question, you know, like for like a little bit older kids. And then there's a discussion question. And so you can only use the, the short, like just depending on the ages of your kids, it's nice because there's just there are so many shapes of families and so yeah. and so to be able to engage everyone at, at their level um, and just to keep those like I we say keep them at the di- at the dinner table I, I like to keep mine in the car um, I just find that like that's a good place like if we're all riding together yeah. for me to like hey we're doing this card today you know and you're all even stuck with if me there's right now. I mean my kids are a little older now they're <laughs> twelve and sixteen but. Even at this age, they'll get into it. Even if there's yeah. an eye roll at the start of it, <laughs> they if they know the answer, they're going to want the win of like they I knew will the answer. exactly. Yeah. yeah, you guys, I carried conversation cards around in my purse all summer long when we were on a family vacation. Yes, you did. And I mean, we sat down to dinner. I mean, we had dinner together every night for thirty days on a vacation. Wow. Okay, that's so amazing. Like, I'm like, y'all, we need to talk about some things. So I would flip through my cards. It was so much fun. So I love conversation cards. Yeah. I love. I want to ask you this one more thing is. I don't know if you guys feel like this. I'm assuming that it's a yes. I hope I don't think I'm alone in this. Is it sometimes in our kind of rushed environment, mm-hmm. everything that the holidays can bring and our culture that we live in, sometimes I feel like and I remember this as a young as having young kids. Oh, it was so heavy on my heart of like either A, I can't keep up yeah. with the stuff I'm supposed to do for my family. Speaking of Advent and stuff, I can't keep up. Or B, I would feel like, okay, I'm winning today, and then tomorrow we don't even do it because somebody's in the corner screaming, and then we've got yep. a black eye, and we just can't do this. <laughs> and so I want you to just spend, as we close out here, a little bit of like, how do you show and receive grace towards yourself as mm-hmm. a mom mm-hmm. in this season? Because what we don't want, what I don't want, yeah. and I know what you guys don't want, is we don't want advent to feel like another checklist we don't want it to feel like i have to do this to be a good christian or a good mom or fill in the blank we don't want it to feel heavy Mm -hmm. we want it to feel like you guys said like it's something that's beautiful that's pointing us towards something even better so how do you show and receive grace for yourself in this season i mean can you imagine if we took the event that frees us from shame and turned it into a source of shame like, can you, wow. like, well, we is, do that. And, but I'm saying, like, uh, yeah, what a loss, a what a miss that we would, mm. that we would hand that over to yeah. shame instead of receive freedom from the, like, yeah. the birth of, like, God on earth, Emmanuel. The Savior, because we needed saving, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, I'm with you, Rachel, and, and the reason, if you ever wonder why, um, we uh, why she reads truth began in the first place, and kids read truth, and he reads truth. It's because we had a need in our own lives, and still have a need. Mm-hmm. Because as important as we know, reading the Bible is to our faith and to our lives, to our the the you know to our own souls. Like this is still we live in a culture that that just. It exists to distract us, you know, yeah, like that yeah. is its job. And and so it is going to always be a battle. And mm-hmm. most things that matter are a battle of sorts. And yeah, so this um, Advent is an invitation, not to another to-do list, but to make um, the story of Scripture and the story of Jesus be just as much a part of the fabric of the holiday season as 
a Christmas tree and buying gifts and all that. Like we want because we mm-hmm. know who Jesus is and we have encountered him and he has changed us, mm-hmm. right? From the inside out, like he is changing us. He is making us new. He's making all things new mm-hmm. and is as wildly impactful as that is it is also something that we have to fight to remember day after day it's why we are women in the word of god every day Mm -hmm. because if we if we shoot for every day we're gonna at least hopefully make every other or every few (laughs) you know there are gonna be those days and it's like what rachel just said that um on the days where we feel like we've just messed it up and honestly i think there are days that um that we are called to have a day that looks different like we are called Mm -hmm. to close that book or that bible and go minister to the heart of that child that needs us Mm -hmm. right then Mm -hmm. um and that doesn't surprise god that doesn't disappoint god um that is us living in step with the spirit and in the freedom that is ours in jesus Mm -hmm. and this whole this whole thing is an invitation yeah. Something that I realized um, kind of recently, it was like this like rude but necessary awakening, um, <laughs> is that at every stage of life, every phase of life, reading your Bible takes discipline. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you think back, Jamie, to like being oh, yeah. like in high school and being like, oh my word, like I think I can do this. But once I hit college and my schedule is a little bit different, like when I start college, I'm in, my Bible reading habit is going to be on point. And then <laughs> yep. you're like, well, maybe it's like when I like get a job. And so then my schedule is really regular. Or like when I get married, I'm going to be the wife that opens her Bible every day. Or like, wait, 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 once I have a kid, like, which we all know is like the biggest joke like <laughs> yeah exactly. obviously like life will be normal when I have babies um but then like I remember thinking recently once my kids are older mm-hmm. then it's gonna be a lot easier and I think that even people who are going like wait till I'm an empty nester wait until x and whatever it is at every stage of our lives Reading the Bible takes discipline. It's going to mm. be work. It is an exercise. And yeah. I think that at the same time, like, and I love, Jamie, the way that you asked that question of, like, also free us from, mm-hmm. you know, applying shame where shame has no business being. Yeah. But I think that, like, my encouragement in that would be I've never regretted spending time on the Word. Right. And so it is something that takes discipline. It is something that takes mm-hmm. work. But even at She Reads Truth, where we are witwogged, we are women in the <laughs> Word of God every day, we have one grace day built into every week as a baseline. Like yeah. every Saturday is like, hey, catch up if you need to. Just take like whatever you need. Yeah. We realize that this is, the goal is not a perfect scripture reading habit. The goal is Jesus. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. You guys, I am so grateful for 10 years is that what we're dealing ten with 10 years yeah congratulations i'm so grateful for 10 years of she reads so truth because we. you guys have impacted hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of mm. women and men and children every day and just think these are more women and more men in the mm. word of god daily every other day weekly whatever it is it is is a time that you will not regret okay so you guys this new advent study uh we are going to give one away over on my instagram along with everything else that we're giving away today so go at jamie ivy you can find that but we also want to give you guys a discount code and so she reads truth has graciously offered to give you 15 percent off with the code happy hour advent begins november 27th it's a sunday after thanksgiving right around the corner what does that look like for us all going through your bible study this this advent season it means 
Please, the beautiful men and women at She Reads Truth Shipping Headquarters are very busy right now. <laughs> um, but there is still room for orders, and I love that we get to offer a discount code. I, my best recommendation is to use fast shipping if you want to um, get your book before the 27th. All right, you guys. Rachel and Amanda. Gosh. I love seeing you guys and thank you for coming on and talking to us all about Advent. Um, I'm really hopeful that the show today that we had, you guys are the last ones. We've had David, we've had Clayton and you guys just to kind of show people, Hey, here are some of the options. So what can we do? What fits your lifestyle and your season of life best? And then let's meet with Jesus every day and really look forward to that longing that we have for him. So I'm your biggest fans. I'm your biggest cheerleader over here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And and um, I love you, ladies. Love you. Thank you for Keep having Keep up the us. good work, friend. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Ashley Miner, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. 
And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.